0: Are we live
1: we yeah there you are hey so it works <laughs> it does work how are you i'm doing great <laughs> so okay so uh for everybody this I'm, my name is doug and this is mark moore hello and he he is gonna be our resident george perez authority <laughs> i want i want us to kind of tell this story together okay it's the it's the whole christmas story okay that's why that's why i kind of want to start with it because it's it it fits in with the whole george perez thing uh he's such a he's so he's so good with the fans and all that that it translates even into fan experiences okay
0: i'm ready so
1: like okay so uh because i want to i want to hear how this happened on your end too but um as far as i know the story goes like this okay jennifer approaches you with which which titans comics new teen titans comics would be the best to get Mm -hmm. Um, the best stories and things like that and you basically gave her like the greatest hits like all, (laughs) all all the greatest hits okay and um i think it was because of how i reacted to what was it season two's finale was it season two or season one
0: well, they were both, the finales were both so bad. So who knows?
1: <laughs> I mean, I was, I was mad for weeks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm still mad. So
1: <laughs> I was like, I was like, they did all that super growth and they had that really great David Bowie shout out with uh, Nightwing. Yeah and, yeah. and all that, you know, with the disco thing. And they said, the show was like, no, no, we're going to get rid of the disco thing. We're going to call it. Black Hawk. You know, and I felt like as a guy who had never really given Teen Titans enough time, I caught that. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's almost like what's his name in Moneyball when he talks about, uh, when he talks about baseball and he says it's really easy to get romantic about, you know, baseball. Um, I feel that way about, about comics and when it gets adapted to TV shows because you catch stuff like that, that glam rock thing I was just talking about, you know, but I feel like, I feel like that—that's how that's how the story started, and um, I kind of wish you were there on Christmas on Christmas morning. Uh, oh, I would have
0: loved to have seen you get those because, you know, it was first off she knew she knows how much a fan I am, and I love sharing my love for the Titans, um, particularly the Perez Wolfman era. And you know, I sent her several, and and then I think when she went to order them, maybe one didn't she didn't understand like. Like I said, well, this is going to be five or six issues, this arc, and then I said, and this one is a uh, it's a graphic novel that you may find you know trouble finding because it's not in print anymore. I said, but I bet you can find some. So there's there was these all these different recommendations I had for, her, and she would come back with some questions. Then I give her some more information, and I was as excited as if I was the one giving the gift because. <laughs> you know, because you know I knew we both had this great love of Perez and I was pretty confident that some of them you hadn't read before and um so yeah that was just super exciting for me
1: so I think I've read Wolfman Titans stuff but mm-hmm. not with per- not with Perez apart from Perez on Titans it's almost like okay so the, the, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say like this to kind of explain it like, like when you're a kid and you're playing superheroes and you're playing with friends and then you move and then you have different friends and you're still playing the same game, but it's not as fun. It's not as fun. yeah, you know and that's that's the way that's the way because my memory of reading Titans, um, there was a particular issue with cyborg. and they really dwelled on the and i I, I cannot promise that this was actually written by Wolfman. Because I really don't think that um, Wolfman would have wanted the scene to be drawn this way, mm-hmm. having, having read so many Perez issues, um, that like it was, it was about it was a very traumatic uh, origin t- scene. A couple of panels that just kind of flash back to. Um, uh, Cyborg uh, becoming, you know, hurt. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was like it was just. I mean, I don't know. It was it was just not. It was just not a really good thing for me. Like 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 when I was a kid, because I was like, what does this have to do with what's really going on? And I feel like he's reliving this trauma for like no reason. It was manipulative.
0: Well, you know, when you when you start by saying trauma that Cyborg suffered after Perez left. I went to, well, that could have been several things because, you know, they went through that phase where he was bald and had, and like almost comatose, you know, his body worked, but his mind wasn't there. And um, they had thought he had died and something happened to him in Russia or something. And then they went through another phase where he was part of technics and became this other crazy thing. And then when Devin Grayson came and wrote it, he was like in some sort of gold body, I think. And so he went through all these different iterations that were so unnecessary it's kind of like none of this is really moving the character forward um but we just keep doing these we we keep taking him through this tragedy and then rebuilding him and he's never quite the same and he's reliving what was already the initial tragedy your know, initial tragedy was his body gets half eaten and his dad throws some tech on him and he becomes cyborg, and he resents his dad, and his mom is dead. That was tragedy enough, but then they kept coming back and said, oh, let's do a little bit more, and then when you add on to it, um, subpar art, because the part where he was out in space, and he was kind of red, looking like like a red version of Warlock from, from the New Mutants, um, the art was just really bad and that just stressed me out um, the part where he was bald and kind of Russian and didn't speak um, or he had been hurt in Russia and didn't speak um, I think that was Grummet was the artist in which which you know Grummet was a great um, a great replacement for Perez because his pencils were very tight his uh, bodies looked very normal Um, He was a real pleasure to have, but I don't know. I can't remember if he was a co-plotter then. And from what I've read online, you know, when Perez and Wolfman weren't together, you know, Wolfman was kind of exhausted. He also was dealing with editorial, um, you know, demands for the characters. And, you know, just like all the greats deal with, I think, after a time, um, that's what makes the creative suffer is when editorial begins kind of meddling Uh, I think a lot of people have probably watched the Chris Claremont special and it talks about his great dynasty. But then once they said, well, let's have every X book under the world and and he couldn't write them all. And then they start bringing everybody else in and they start being driven by profit and numbers as opposed to being driven by story and character. And then everything suffers. And um, and so that's, you know, when Perez and Wolfman weren't aren't together to me. the titans have always suffered they had i think when mccone and jeff johns came and rebooted them at some point they captured some of that um but but at the same time it was really like mm, this is young justice in a titan's body and, then, and I, so I, I was kind of like yeah you know it's, it's good but but is it necessary was kind of how i always felt about it um but let's get back to titans so Um, I know one of the things that I had Jennifer get you was the games um, graphic novel. Yes. And, you know, that was the the thing about games was that it was something that we all waited for for so long. No one thought it was ever going to happen. It got shelved um, by the powers that be. And so when it finally came out, it was so much like a an Elseworlds out of continuity story because it picked up on the Titans from so many, so long ago. Uh, so first you had to kind of go, oh, I forgot about Danny Chase. Look at him. And uh, oh wow, well, he's actually kind of interesting in this. And then you're like, oh wow, I, that's you know, Donna Troy at this point in her career before she got majorly uh screwed over. Um, and it was just seeing Perez at the height of his career doing some beautiful artwork in this large format. Um, you know, was it the best story overall? No, it wasn't. <laughs> but but was it so pleasurable? Absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things I really liked about it. And then, of course, some of the other things I think that um that I had Jennifer get you. I think the New Titans Baxter series one through five was was on that list. Is that right? Uh
1: when you say Baxter series, you mean like uh
0: those are the um... ones that were on the glossy. Uh, yeah, thicker the thicker paper. Yeah, and yes, probably no news.
1: one remembers they recalled that.
0: That's that's what they recall when they first came out because back then all comic books were on that ratty newsprint. Um, it was just so cheap, and when they came out with the Baxter series, they did uh, the New Titans, and they did the Legion of Superheroes, and. That was on this nicer paper. It was going to be direct to comic book stores only. It had a, you know, of course it costs more. It was just, had better colors. It was all these things, and it was so exciting. And for the first few issues, I think Perez inked his own pencils, which wasn't always the case. And then, um, then another inker came on for the last few of those three, and he only did a few issues of the Baxter series to start with. You know, I thought it was going to be, you know, the 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 next best thing, but he only did, I think. The first five or six issues, but it was such a great story because it was Trigon coming back. It was because it was only sold at comic book stores as opposed to newsstands. Um, that was the first time we saw uh Dick and Corey in bed together in a way yes. that was obvious that they're having sex, you know, that they had sex. Yes. In. Um, that was from, that, the, and from the very first panel, the story had a danger about it. You know, the sky was dark, Donna was flying overhead. Um, and it, that was, you know, it just, it had that danger that, you know, I don't know if comic books have now. Um, so I was, looking, I was looking
1: at those issues just now because I, I I noticed when you said Baxter, I was like, I know this word. Why do I know this word? <laughs> and then I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, the ones that she from, because she got these, she got the ones that she could find at mm-hmm. Mile High Comic. And um, it says Baxter, Teen Titans. So, so but I noticed. Know- about covers is that none of them have the comics code on them exactly yeah and that's like and i'm like i'm like well that's that's where the nutrition is right there that's when that that's when that started uh that mm-hmm. separation from the comics code um and then the regular titans uh that has the comics code you know and so i'm seeing that finally kind of like kind of like for the first time because i'm you know We've seen no comics, not, no comics code on anything, on any cover, uh, since pretty much 2099. Yeah, um, oh,
0: and I wonder what happened because, you know, those issues were later reprinted in the newsstand version. Um, so I don't know if they stopped it then. I, I can't remember what happened well, with that. But the, that
1: was also the, the exciting part is that you were getting two Titans books a month. That was also exciting. But the comics code determined how people did business. Yes. And how shops did business and that, that affected the bottom line. So I would imagine that the reason for why they would reprint those things um for the newsstand is one, the comics code realized that they had to ease up on their restrictions.
0: And you know, it's funny because I was as I was describing the you Odonna know, flying overhead in that one issue and I just because I don't have them in front of me, I, I it, when I was first talking about doing this, I thought, oh, I'm gonna pull out these issues and you know skim through them again real fast and da 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 da. And it's been so busy and so I'm, but I can still see some of that in my mind's eye so clearly, and I remember the splash page where they're playing their kind of war games in the yard at Titans Tower, and um, it's, they're playing like kind of tag you it, and I think uh Terra is it, and you know Gar is a is a bloodhound and. Um, you know they're they're just testing their powers against each other until and they drive Tara to the point you know that um, she kind of acts out and um, you know it's just really it's just again it's such good memories uh, about you know the, the the titans books back then
1: so oh yeah I mean you see that I'm, I'm reading that like um, I mean we read we read that for the other show um, and we we because that was a that was one of the um, um one of the um, shit. What's the word I'm looking for?
0: Um, oh, one of the features that we did. Yeah, the yeah the- yeah,
1: yeah yeah. And we had we had to we had to uh, we had to read that. And I remember reading that, and going, "This is like being at work, you know, mm-hmm. watching watching somebody kind of like have a moment and not really, not really knowing if this is about the thing or if it's about something else." And. The fact that Tara is the one having a moment—it's almost like she's like this close to letting it slip that she's, you know, a double agent. Yeah, it it, like to see that work. That's like that's like to see that kind of happen. You're kind of you're kind of like hoping that it comes out, you know. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, it was it was really that was that was really intense. And talking about the code then too, uh, those scenes with Tara and Slade. Yes. Yeah. yes, that was like, you know, they were, they were, they were flirting with that line, man, to the point where it was like, you know, the code really didn't have a choice. It's, it's like, oh, it was just.
0: Well, more oh. than that, you know, this, you know, that really becomes one of the things that's interesting. When I read, um, I've seen some Reddit posts and some Facebook groups that have talked about it and younger people now get really bent out of shape about that. You know, they're just like, um, I can't believe they did a scene where you've got this old man and this teenage girl and blah, 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 blah. And they start seeing her as a victim and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, she was, she was a mad woman, you know? And so yeah. Yeah. you can't, they like- you can't take away her villainy because she's 16. Um, You can't take away her, her agency either. Um, yeah. She knew exactly what she was doing and why she was doing it. And um, you know, Slade wasn't, you know, using her in the sense that they, I think that some of the people have criticized them of using her. Um, you know, she was out here doing her thing. And the thing of, in the big scheme of things that bothered me about Tara is that that was such a, you know, the Judas contract um, was such an epic story. And it was so unlike anything that we, that I had read at the time. Um and then in all the different reboots, they bring Tara back, and to me, it just really kind of weakens the whole character. I just some some people to me should have just stayed dead, and the ones for me that should have stayed dead are Tara, Supergirl, and Barry Allen. I just think they should have stayed dead, and but they're all back repeatedly. I
1: I agree. Actually, uh, we'll get to Crisis. Yes. Later. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, Barry, or I mean, if I had to pick one between Barry and Wally, it's I really don't know who I would pick. I've been reading so much new, tit- new so much Titans that I'm actually leaning towards Wally, and I used to hate Wally and I preferred Barry.
0: But I liked I liked Wally when he wrestled with having powers, and I liked Wally when his powers were waning and it failed him. The the by the time Wally became the Flash, he somehow became like the best Flash and the fastest Flash, and I kind of goes DC, stop overpowering everybody, you know. Yeah. Um Let's have some weaknesses, you know. Let's have some limitations. So, uh,
1: but I like I, I, that. That's that's actually the Wally that I like too, because I didn't know Wally had that. Like, uh, I'm going to college. I'm the superhero thing is I don't need it. Right. Know? Right. Yeah. And, I di- I didn't know any of that. Um, and anytime, and I'm... You know, like in the, And now the romance
0: is between uh Garfield and Raven. And to me, it's always about Wally and Raven. And so Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah I, I'm that I'm that old school guy that goes, you know, I like the angst that he had about do I have feelings for her or does she manipulate me? And I... when you and, and, and then a modern audience could really have fun with that because then it comes down to, to consent. And yes. Um, you know, we didn't understand that's what it was at the time, but, but we do now and that becomes some really rich storytelling. And then if you bring just Wally's kind of track record with women, then you have Magenta, Francis Kane, that was his high school girlfriend that somehow got powers and she went slap crazy and let me nearly kill some people. So he just kind of had a bad run on women, you know?
2: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: And I think, I think it's, I think it's okay to show heroes having a bad run because, yeah. you know that- that's that's actually that's actually a big part of you know getting to know people and you know learning about yourself and knowing what works and what you should not never do and you know things like that. But it's it you know growth. Um, but you know because I want to I want to talk about this for just a hot second when you were talking about uh, Tara and her agency and uh, how people like want to put her in the the one box versus the other box. Um, it's I really. I really you know this that story was done at a time when um saturday um i'm sorry what is it like after school specials were like mm-hmm. really big into identifying yep. child abuse and right right and so you know marv wolfman was like marv, marv and uh uh george were definitely like okay yeah let's talk about it you know and like let's talk let's talk about how far this really goes and what this actually looks like and what it would actually look like in a situation like this. And, um, there's a point where, um, yeah, there's some abuse going on, but at the same time too, you have to take ownership of the decisions you make as Mm -hmm. a, you know, and, and that's a part of the growing and the, you know, all that stuff too. Cause it was, I mean, uh, reading, the thing about the thing about Judas contract just reading that without reading any other titan stories you do you do get the um impression that you're supposed to get but when you have when you've read like i did with all the other with all the other stories you get this uh you get the threat of her a lot more because there are people to you um and I mean, they're they're fully well rendered, real, well well rend- rendered in the story, but um, when you get to know them by reading all these other things, you know, in in, in the same run, um, it really it really hits you really hard. Like for example, um, in the whole vendetta that uh, Deathstroke has against the Teen Titans, that starts in issue number two. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, these motherfuckers are playing the long game. The long game.
0: And the game that you didn't see coming, and, you know, I'm glad you used the word threat, because, again, that's that's what um, part of, I think, why the Titans have such a, a place in my heart, because you know, there's danger in these characters without it always being about maiming or killing the characters. I think now, you know, creators just say who are we going to kill this week and it just loses its power because you know they're all going to be back and um but with that it was so unexpected because you know when they introduced tara she was um someone that you you were made to feel sympathetic for and you know you saw the good that she brought out in gar and um you know you saw once she found her brother uh, Geo on the Outsiders and you're like oh there's family there You, they, they just did everything they could to make you love her and then once th- you started seeing hints that she was a mole you're like what and then when things just went crazy you saw all the Titans get captured and get taken out when they're most vulnerable um, you know I, I think it, at least in me it, it elicited a real kind of clutch in my chest of like oh, crap. Plus, you think about how powerful uh, Deathstroke is and the fact that Nightwing gets away from him and and then, or Robin at the time, um, and then he becomes Nightwing in this run and we are introduced to his son, who also has this really kind of beautiful tragic story and we've got, you know, Jericho and, and his mutton chops uh, kind of <laughs> to save the day. Um <laughs> right Um, and so it's like it's just such great storytelling because there was there was fear there was tension and there was consequence um and there was mystery whereas now you know if anyone tries that it's almost like they lay the they either lay the clues in too fast or there's not a long enough build to get to somewhere so they want you to have the feeling of being invested without actually giving you the time to be invested in the character um, and that's what Perez Wolfman did so well they they gave you all of these literal years to get invested in these characters so that when something big happened it was big um, yeah. and you know Deathstroke being the key one that's, that's another thing I get frustrated by you know in modern comics is that you know once in one hand I'm glad that these characters have grown to a point where they are important across the whole line but some people perceive deathstroke as a batman villain and he's not he's a titans villain and um cyborg you know in the new 52 gets written in as a founding member of the justice league and not of the titans and i have a problem with that i'm like he's a titan if they graduate to the justice league that's great but you know I think they they overpowered him by connecting connecting him to the internet and and to apocalypse and um I missed that he was just a titan with some real human
1: uh, issues that he had to work through. So so um I kind of want to the thing that I kind of want to talk about Cyborg and the New 52 for like just a hot second. Sure. Um um and I think I think this goes into the reason why the reason why I want to talk about it is because I want to kind of like uh, um holler back to the beginning where I said my first experience with teen Titans was not awesome, okay so and it was cyborg related. Mm-hmm. And so I never got into d c the way other folks did because one, um it felt like you needed to I almost feel it almost felt like you needed to buy into you needed to buy into it uh marvel was more accessible in the sense that uh i knew that if i could go to certain characters uh certain books i know that i would be able to get my you know comic book high pretty quickly with dc it really felt like um and i really had nobody in fact nobody my age would have been able to even know this. But now that I know, and I've been looking back at the history of comics and how they were all published and some of the business decisions that went into things. Um, I kind of wish I had, if I, if I, if I could go back in time, I'd be like, okay, spend some money on this book and you'll have, you'll have a good time. I promise. you just mm-hmm. have to, you know, you know, go into it. So having said all that, of not having a really good experience with Titans, uh, I pretty much tried one issue of that, and it was it was that bad. Usually, <laughs> my 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 policy as a kid, because the comics were so cheap, was you know it was nothing to to buy uh, two or three issues or something, and then make a decision then. But that that Titans thing, I really felt manipulated. I did that, and I tried. Now, when I say when I was a kid, I was probably fourth or fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I tried I tried Suicide Squad. And I tried Titans. And I was like, nope, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> and then, uh, which Suicide Squad was too was too much for... It, I was not old enough to appreciate Suicide Squad. Right. Uh, but Titans, I was like, I really did not like the way... Um, I really did not like the way they manipulated. I felt manipulated. Um to see Cyborg a certain way So when New 52 comes around And everyone's like oh this is a great point To, to jump on You know you need to do that and I'm like Okay I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it I'm going to give it the shot I'm going to do the thing And so I bought Of course it was Jim Lee so I had to get Everything Jim Lee right, mm-hmm. and Jim Lee right. Did, yeah. They they did the whole thing With Apocalypse uh, and, and, and doing Cyborg uh, Through the um, Mother Motherbox box technology mm-hmm. and i was like this i felt i felt that was perfect um because of my previous experience um it, they were so manipulative about it and then like to to give him that motherbox stuff i feel that was appropriate they, they made him on the same level on the same par as power and all that with uh the others the problem is is in that new 52 universe he was never a Titan at least right. was and so it was never it was never as if he graduated okay but in the grand scheme of things I could see how Jeff Johns and Jim Lee were like, well we need to have somebody graduate right but I think and this goes with what I was saying earlier about people that read the books don't know the publishing history of it and all that. Every single Titan is somebody's like sidekick or just a teen, right? You know? So they, when they, um, because a lot of people don't know that uh, Beast Boy, because uh, he'll, he'll always be Beast Boy to me, um, <laughs> that he came from Doom Patrol, and there was right. a reason. There was a reason for that, and if you look at the uh, the creators of Doom Patrol, um, God, I have. Anyway, I can't. I can't think of. I can't think of their names right now. But the the guy, the guys, the guys who created Doom Patrol, when Doom Patrol was uh, canceled and they killed them off uh, in in the Silver Age time, those creators just went over to Teen Titans, and then that's how they started doing Beast Boy again. Mm -hmm. The, The guy, the guy who drew him, started you know went from Doom Patrol, which was canceled over to to Teen Titans and so he was like I need something that I that I know and they were like well just put just put Beast Boy in there and he's like fine okay (laughs) so that's why that's why I like that so I feel like that was a similar situation to Cyborg you know Um, because if you're Jim Lee and you have all these other people you will never put Jim Lee on a Teen Titans book and I know for a fact that Jim Lee would be like, "Well, which one would I do?" and they'd be like, "Well, everyone's going to expect you to do to do Deathstroke." And he's like, "Well, I really like doing because like the way he did Cyborg in Injustice League was dynamite. I think about that. Um because he gave him that Kirby um crackle, you know. So I really I really like that but that was how I felt about New 52 Without really knowing all this other stuff about Cyborg. like um talk about, sense- de- talking you
0: know, about- a, new, a new fan would be like, "Oh, cyborg, that's awesome. He's so cool. You're right. only someone who's invested in him as a titan would would be irritated.
1: That's right, but at the same time too, I'm reading I'm reading like you know when I was talking about when I was talking about uh, how a is an issue too. He's wearing a red uh, jump, uh, red uh, jogger suit, uh, mm-hmm. workout suit with the hoodie and everything. And I'm like going, oh, my God, that's his exact uniform in Doom Patrol, the red and the white. And because uh, red and white is uh, Doom Patrol colors. Right, right. And, and I'm sitting there going, that's why that's that's so that's so cool that they made that they put him in there. Because they couldn't have Beast Boy, because Beast Boy's in Titans, obviously. So they had to do a shout out, you know. So that goes back to the whole David Bowie glam rock instead of the disco, and but the, you know that's like that's like uh, one of Cyborg's like first appearances, the red jogger suit, you
2: know, mm-hmm. the Adidas. I
1: remember that suit, look, looking like uh, looking something out of um, shit. What's the name of that movie? Ben Stiller was in it with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't know. Oh my god, the Royal Tannin Bombs, looking uh, like something out of the Royal Tannin Bombs.
0: <laughs> so. well, you know when they—it's funny because I hadn't thought about it, Sloan. But you know, I can again see it so so clearly—the scene of uh, one of the first appearances of Cyborg and the Titans, where he was in that—he uh, had a hoodie on, the red hoodie, and you just—you don't see the the metal side of his face at first. And then when you do, it's that I think it's a little kid that sees it, but the little kid has a prosthetic, and he's like, "Oh, this is so cool! You have a prosthetic like me." Uh, again, those are those, those human moments that that make these large characters small, that make them so enjoyable. Um, yes. The um, but yeah, the I'm I'm you're now the I don't even know what they call it now because DC has gone through so many reboots lately, but now. Tyborg is back in the Titans. Um, I can't tell how powerfully he is now because I honestly couldn't read this most recent Titans book. Uh, I just really, <laughs> I was really pained by the writing. Um, I think
1: that's the kindest is... you ever you've ever <laughs> talked about. I, I want I want everyone to know that in the free world, uh, <laughs> the kindest that Mark has ever been about that particular book. It's um, so bad.
0: It just makes me sad because I was so excited. I'm always excited yeah. when something Titans comes out, but it's you know sadly. And I, I remember once, um so for you know for anyone who, to, who's interested, uh, my favorite Titan is actually Donna Troy. And I remember our friend Derek asked me once, you know, why Donna Troy? What does he like about Donna Troy? And it was hard for me. I'm still not even sure why. You know, she's. Maybe it's because she's Wonder Woman's little sister, so that makes her like this really powerful person, but because she was actually born human, and that was I know, just something I always liked about them. So when I see um, these books and they, they bring these characters in and they just have so little personality and character and their voices don't match who I think they should be, it becomes really stressful as a reader the current titans are written very one-dimensional ways in most of the books lately and that's just really exhausting for you know for example donna specifically she's still wrestling with her identity because she's had so many origins and i'm like eh that's kind of overplay can we just settle on one and then let her be a badass um and then there's times where i think someone said she's like the den mother to the titans and i'm like who came up with that that's that's lame that no stop that <laughs> so she doesn't she doesn't need to mother the other titans uh i think that's just kind of a weird kind of thing to do
1: yeah because to be honest with you i'm really glad you brought up donna troy uh free and clear of anything that i said because to be honest with you i know that she's special to you uh and i really <laughs> want her. we've talked about we've talked about everything else outside of uh raven and trigon but i want to talk about in depth because she is the hardest to grasp and understand it. and i want she people really to be is. Like-
0: you know and and part of it i think is because you know so if you go back to wonder girl was originally like it was some sort of weird story where wonder woman had been de-aged and there was like a wonder tot and a wonder girl and a wonder woman and they were all together at some point because back in the 70s, they in the late 60s, they, they really wrote some crap stories. Like some of those stories were just complete garbage. And that was, I think, one of them. And so, 60s maybe. Um, when they decided to make her her own distinct character, well, then it was Donna Troy. And then she got her origin where Wonder Woman rescued her and took her to the Amazons and they gave her a portion of their power using the Purple Ray, which is again kind of lame, but okay, it worked for us. Um, but what I liked about it was that. She was really, really strong and powerful and skilled, but she was so very humble and human and caring. Um, her relationship with the other titans was, you know, she had this really distinct relationship. So with 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 Wally and Dick, she was like a sister. And with uh Starfire, she was like a best friend, and with Garfield, she was kind of like he got on her nerves because she loved him you know and with cyborg you know that was someone who could you know was as strong as she was or almost as strong as she was and so they could you know she could be a warrior alongside him with with raven they both came from these really distinct cultures that were separate from man's world so she had that kind of connection um and then once you and then with wonder woman she was that was her sister so she had this great sisterly love it's thoroughly i I always liked sidekicks in general and for whatever reason she was just my favorite you know i love wonder woman as well but wonder girl was just kind of like this really more approachable she could be my friend kind of and 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 i think it all comes down to the way that perez and wolfman handled her and you saw even though she was young, because I think in the, in the New Titans run, she was probably between 18 and 20 for uh, most of that run. And mm-hmm. in that time, she had a career uh, as a photographer and she had uh, a husband that she eventually married and then she had a kid. And so she was doing all these really normal things in, in addition to being a superhero in a way that was different than say, Clark Kent. Um, and Superman. So that was something else that was neat because you got to see the wedding, which I think was uh, New Team Titans issue number 50. And so you had all the Titans there, of course, in tuxedos and the women in really bad dresses because, you know, that was, that was the, that's when they
1: wrote them. And there was well, a, lot of, in, a lot of
0: frill in, on those outfits, you know. You're supposed um, to
1: wear a shitty. Right. I mean, oh, ladies, so bad. I don't know. I don't know if you know those ladies, but the shit that they put you in. Is not going to be attractive, you know. <laughs> six months to a year later, it's going to be out of style that quickly.
0: Yeah, but there was there was such yeah. neat. There was a double sized issue, and it was the first time I'd ever seen a wedding issue in a comic book. Um, yeah, you know, I know they've had it before. You know, you know, Marvel definitely had done it, um, but it was a big deal for me. And 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 it was also again an issue that focused on the characters as opposed to superheroics um, and. That was the second you know that was probably the third big time that DC had done it with the Titans. you know you had a day in the life, which was really all about them outside of being heroes. then you had who has done a Troy, which was about her discovering who her real parents were, which was a, a mystery story. she really got to sink into her identity because all this time she she was rescued as a baby from a fire and never knew who her family was. and now we finally had an answer and that's just beautiful. and then you get to this wedding and it's kind of like the the last thing for her and and some big things that happened in that was um Bruce Wayne was at the wedding so he's talking to Dick about you know just kind of how proud he is of you know the man he's become and Wonder Woman is there and then who shows up uh Wonder Woman's mom Hippolyta and you know she does it mystically and I think at the time maybe they couldn't leave the island I don't remember exactly but there was some issue that she wasn't there in person but she comes to this mystical gateway, and then they give Donna these different bracelets uh, to symbolize her cha- her moving from being just a regular Amazon to being this married person. Um, and it's like those little human moments made the story so good. And then the the wedding came off without a hitch, because you know all too often they would say, "Well, let's throw a curveball and have some." bad guy attacked the wedding and they didn't they just said let's just have a beautiful wedding and but even then you let's let's again talk about how modern audiences look at old books i've seen people comment again on like reddit and and things like that about the titans that say and maybe i need to stop reading what all these people say but um they're (laughs) they're like you know terry was such a such a gross man. He was 35 and Donna was only 20. And what was that? Da, 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 da. I'm like, she may have been only 20, but she'd been fighting crime since she was 13. So I think she's mature enough and have enough agency to marry whomever she wants to marry. And, um, you know, you know, you' that heard in May, December romances and you can't judge a May, December romance, you know, you can't judge them all the same. And not every person that's older that dates a younger person is grooming them. And all of the things that we say now, um, oh these God. were two people that were in love and I wish they had stayed in love and stayed married and her kid was still alive instead of all the tragic tragedy that they wrote onto her um, in subsequent years.
1: So I think that I think that you're talking about you're talking about Donna Troy uh, with the, um, you know, the older man, Terry and all that Marv. And I cannot remember Wolfman uh, in one of the introductions. They he talks about how much hell he got for that and he mm-hmm. was like i'm sorry but he said for the exact same reason you did just now he said this girl has her own agency her own mind do you think a man her age is gonna be able to handle her a guy right. with only only an older man is going to be able to have the maturity to deal mm-hmm. with a a woman who is that sure of who she is yeah. um and i think for for kids uh reading that or yo- at least young men read in a comic and seeing that in a comic and how that relationship played out almost the same level as, uh, Micheline and, um, McFarlane's, uh, Spider-Man, uh, mm-hmm. movies, uh, where you see Mary Jane and, um, Peter Parker. Actually the editor, uh, for Spider-Man at that time was the guy who really controlled how Mary Jane and Peter Parker, were uh, written into the story. Their marriage was like, what, what was a character? And so when they got rid of that marriage, not to equal Donna Troy with and Mary Jane, but it's, it's almost like there's like a secret vendetta out there. And I want to know who it is so that I can snuff them out um, that wants to read stories about marriages being ruined in these horrible ways. Right. um with the, all these kids getting killed and all that stuff where it's like it's like the marriage doesn't doesn't ruin anything the marriage is like a growth of the character and it and if it's done right um it'll be great if it's yeah, not I, done you know, right. i'm glad you said it because it,
0: it i do want to see successful happy relationships with people now all of them won't be because all relationships in real life aren't but there's no reason to add unnecessary extra drama and trauma to the characters' lives. And exactly. uh, and Donna has been, you know, bless her, she's been through so much. And, you know, when they killed her in the most lackluster way in Graduation Day miniseries, I was angry for years. And when they finally brought her back, I was, they did a good job. And I was like, okay, good, this is nice. They brought her back in a good way. Um, and then they messed it up again. And then they just just keep going back and forth. And, you know, Dan Didio, um, he didn't, you know, he, when they did the new 52, the new Titans all kind of got it bad. And, you know, a lot of bloggers say that it's because of him and that he really hates, really hates those characters. But they all did come out of it really, really bad. And the only ones that I think kind of end up being safe are like Nightwing because he's so attached to Batman. But everyone else gets like a really crap, you know, run out of it. And, some get devolved in some really weird ways, you know, like when the new 52 came out, um Starfire was even more vamped up and sexy and more brainless than necessary. And I thought, what in the world? Why have you done this to her? And it's like, what's the point? What what's the point of bringing someone and making their character so so two dimensional? So,
1: um I actually re- bought that book. Uh the my feeling about um my feelings about cyborg and justice league made me feel like i would probably like the book with roy god what was the name of that book it, it had, was uh um, roy... outlaws yes it had it had a uh, roy cory and um shit, jason was todd. A... oh jason todd yeah that's right and... And, and it
0: should have been great you know it's like oh those are that's a real unique you know trio that should be really interesting yeah. but instead it was like why is starfire written this way why is she yeah, they wrote her,
2: her.
1: They wrote they wrote her that way, um, to make her, like, like if the Teen Titans cartoon was mm-hmm. the only one that you knew anything about Starfire, you'd be able to go to that cartoon to that comic without any problems. Yeah, and you would just be able to see Starfire as a Marilyn Monroe type, which mm-hmm. is how I saw her because that's what they re- that's what they had been giving me this whole entire time. Now that would now that I've been reading all this Marv and George uh, starfire, especially uh, the first 16 issues, I'm like, that starfire that we have been spoon-fed for years does not exist. She's Isn't that not-
0: neat to see You know how bloodthirsty she was at first, but still innocent? There was always that weird mix in her of this kind of innocence and this ruthlessness, but this also intense... Um, fierce protection so she just she came out of the gate with a lot of death, and that was just neat and her sexual fierceness was also awesome um and then you know so if you're in the first 16 issues i think she's probably had that one where she was dating that guy and he got killed it was like a really random thing and she wanted to go and kill the person that killed him and Donald yeah. was like, you, you have to go through me to do it. And you saw all of those emotions of her not understanding why she couldn't exact revenge on this person who had killed someone that she um, loved. And, you know, that's because that's not what humans do. That's not what we do on Earth. And, you know, that was just really great storytelling. And, you know, those, th- that era wasn't perfect because there were definitely some things about writing styles that was cheesy at the time. But overall, they just really did a great job of capturing emotion and building character. And, and the, the thing that I miss most about books now are those long runs that did that. So that was that Wolfman Perez run, um, the Titans, that was that John Byrne run on Fantastic Four, that Claremont run on the X-Men. You know, those things gave you time to really um, dig into characters and build these great arcs. And that's why you get these, you get this great growth. That's why you see um, Susan Storm realize that she's the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four under John Byrne. And that's why you see Kitty Pride grow from this uh, Jewish girl who, you know, just gets these powers and now surrounded by all these adults into becoming this really fierce tactician and warrior. Um, and that's why, of course, you get the Titans with all of the, you know, again, my, my love for Donna Troy and this well-rounded character that is um, Sapphire and the completely mind-blowing evolution that is Raven. Um, so, you know, and you just, we don't see a lot of that now. I think one of the closest uh, examples of a good long, long epic run that we've had in the modern age Uh, or whatever age we're calling the age now, comics, um, would be the Snyder Batman run. um,
1: I was just thinking, I was just thinking, I was hoping. Yeah.
0: And I remember being so excited about that. I thought, because here you've had this character that's been around, you know, since the beginning, Batman being one of the oldest characters in comic books. um, And he has come in and done unique things. The Court of Owls, all of that was just mind blowing. And so well done without having to resort to the tricks of let me kill someone or let me change something inherent about this superhero's uh, character. You know, he did it just purely on storytelling and mystery. And um, yeah, I just I, I need and he did it over. You know, that, that whole run of the new 52 Batman that just started with that was just, again, so deeply satisfying. And I will say that that point forward, Batman has has been one of the more uh, consistent books as far as having good runs. Uh, I can't remember the creator now, but the, but the run uh, not too long ago where Batman and Selina almost got married was really good. I was, I was angry that marriage oh. didn't happen, but I thought, oh, this is so great. Um, and the only thing that's the only thing that's happened lately that's really that I'm not over is the fact that they decided to kill Alfred. It was a well written story, and I think it was Tom Taylor. Uh, don't hold me to that, but but I feel like it was because it seemed I think he likes to kill people. I just go watch them kill Alfred. It was Tom Man. King. Man, yeah, maybe it was Tom King. It's one of the Toms, you're right. It's one of the toms because yeah. they like to kill folks. And <laughs> so I'm like, oh I need God. to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> especially since we know most of them come back a lot because I know. know Wally Wally went off and killed like all kind of people in Heroes in Crisis some of them are back alive already and I'm like what yeah. are y'all doing you know so it's
1: just, <laughs> it's just irritating talking about talking about uh, Wolfman, Wolfman and Perez as being like the quintessential team uh, because um miller on daredevil was artist and writer Byrne on uh fantastic four was artist and writer Mm
2: -hmm. walter
1: simonson on thor was artist and writer now i know that those are marvel books but Mm -hmm. it seems like people went from they 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 learned they they learned their trade uh at marvel and then made their money at dc you know yeah yeah but but it, it the, that, that's that's the way that's the way it feels but like in 85 and 86 um dc and i actually i saw this i saw this in an article uh i think it was uh it was cbr <sighs> i need to double check that just to be sure but i saw an article where they were talking they were talking about um dc comics before crisis and barely any of them barely any title got a bu- got top 50 unless it was teen titans and teen titans started what 80 81 something like mm. that
0: yeah that sounds about right yeah
1: and it was like in marv a wolfman in uh, the introduction to the first trade he talks about how like after at, after after issue 6 that's when they that's when they hit their stride they became they they became like a bestseller at that point mm-hmm. i don't know it makes me think of like the beatles in the sense that um they got this series and it was making money and then they were like oh, okay well we kind of need to give you guys royalties because this is ridiculous money that you guys are making for us <laughs> and then it got to and then it got to a point where there was so much money involved where to make that much money if it didn't make ridiculous amounts of money then the book sucked you know yeah. and so that that causes pressure and i'm sure that's the reason why games uh, happened the way that it did for the most part and I think that's also how Crisis happened because Crisis was actually supposed to happen years before it actually came out. So Crisis came out what eighty five or eighty six? I know that Watchmen came out in eighty six along with. That feels kind of right, you know. They, 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 the, the, way to make the top one hundred was to start making art and to start, you know, cultivating that, that, that thing. So I think that I think the Marv Wolfman um, and George Perez paradigm that was like something that that was the goose that laid the golden egg what you don't because you know Marv and George they use the Marvel method between each other they would um there was a thing in games where I can't remember who said it I want to say it was George where they would they would start out at one at somebody's house somebody somebody's somebody's apartment and then they would always end the issue at some diner over mm-hmm. dinner I, right? yeah, I read that too yeah and I love that because because you know that's how Stan and Jack did it, and um with like Fantastic Four and all the stuff they did they did. You no, know, it was just it was just it was just so amazing because in games, uh, George said that by the end of their Titans run together, one was living on the west coast of the U.S. and the other one was living on the east coast, and that kind of contributed to you know some things you know. So they didn't actually have that like uh holistic exchange that they had with the apartment to the diner right because yeah,
0: it's, it's not like today where i don't know if you saw the news today but uh, they announced i saw on one of uh, maybe bleeding cool or something where they said that uh dc was losing some of their office space you know they just moved a few years ago um uh, out to hollywood with their offices um at wb and, but because of COVID, so many people have been working from home and they just finally, you know, w, WB said, hey, we need this office space. You guys just keep working at home kind of thing. So, oh. um, you know, definitely it's, it's different now. It's so, so different now. Um, and I don't think, like most great things, they knew what they were doing when they started. And, you know, was it just an assignment? And, and I read how they, as they got to know each other um, th- and their trust, You know, built, they were able to uh, craft the stories in a certain way using playing to each other's strengths. Um, And you just, you know, and you know, we talk about when we first started that the issues without Perez just aren't as good. And um, there was definitely something magical that happened when they created together. And that was present in Titans and that was present in Crisis. And um, you know, you also mentioned how uh, you were hesitant to start with DC Comics because, you know, where did you jump in? And a lot of people had that. That was the reason behind Crisis, because some people felt like it was too confusing. You know, we had Earth One and Earth Two, and this legacy and that legacy, and this, that, and the other. Whereas, if you'd been with it for a while, you thought it was fun. And and even then, it also gave you the opportunity to go for back issues and. That became a fun thing as well, but let's take crisis and let's make it simple. And I thought they did a magnificent job with it. Um, there were only a few hiccups. Um, again, coming back to Donna Troy, the fact that when they DH Wonder Woman, that meant they had to redo Donna Troy's um, origin again. But the other, the major problem with crisis is that. DC and Marvel then started trying to chase the event. So you had Crisis at DC, and I guess probably Secret Wars was the big event at Marvel. And then it became like, well, what's gonna be the next big event? What's gonna be the next big event? And that's exhausting. I don't need a big event. I need a quality story. And and sometimes they do events, even starring main characters. And I'm like, well, this could have been in the character's book
1: you know you didn't need to do need to do a whole event for it and like and I, with uh like with Spider-Man and his black uniform apparently that came out of secret wars
0: that did and, yeah yeah
1: and that, that was that was something like when i was a kid trying to find that issue and i was like are you are you kidding me i have to go to you know going to a specialty shop when you live in germany <laughs> like you know right, right um but it was i mean it, that was you know, you're no, you're exactly, you're exactly right. It's like, it's like crisis was crisis was great, and it fixed what it was supposed to fix,
2: mm-hmm. for
1: the most part, because it right. created other problems, just like you talked about with uh, Troy. Right. But I feel like, I feel like, you know, there were some good things that came out of uh, out of those big, but only when they really thought about it, company wide, like Inferno, um, Inferno for X Men. Was that's like my favorite thing ever, uh, mm-hmm. Madeline Pryor and uh, Mister Sinister uh, coming out of that. Um, Atlantis, Atlantis attacks was silly, but <laughs> I mean it was fun because it was just like one big brawl. And then uh, Acts of Vengeance where they uh, pretty much traded everyone's villains for you know everyone else. That was out of that was out of that was out of Marvel Mm i really can't think of any dc major events outside of maybe when jeff johns got on and there was a it seemed like there was years of nothing but green lantern related events well the ones that happened that that stand out
0: after crisis there was zero hour which was some crazy mess and um then you had all the other crises because there was infinite crisis and final crisis and some other crisis and there were They just kept, they kept trying to go back to the well. And, you know, I can't remember which one. And some of it tied back to the original Crisis which was kind of neat. Um, You know, they had the uh, Superman from Earth Two and Superboy Prime, and then they made him evil. And I thought that was a lot. It kind of, it was, it was a mix. It was like, some of it was well crafted. So that was enjoyable. And some of it was a big old, why are you doing this? Why have you taken these, this really wholesome character and made him a bad guy? Um, right. and, and really, really bad. And he went through and killed a few Titans because, you know, Titans were expendable. So let's rip the arm off of this one and let's chop the head <laughs> off of that one. And I was like, holy shit, stop that, you know? Um, <laughs> because sometimes sometimes these comic books get so bloodthirsty and I just don't get the why. Now, some of it I thoroughly enjoy. Like, you know, if we're looking at Invincible or The Boys or whatever like that, I'm here for it. Just go go hog wild but in our in the main main books uh, the the mainstream books i'm kind of like eh, calm down a little bit you know you can tell a great story without being so crazy and and, and uh, which was the one that had the elongated man's wife that got raped
1: oh my god I think oh my was, god was that final I want to say
0: shit i, I don't know but i think it was two I, I, I just remember reading it And then realizing what was happening in that frame and having to close the book, which is also weird for me because, you know, I can watch an episode of special victim's unit and not be phased, but reading that really affected me in a really kind of bad way. It just, and I think part of, I think anytime you're reading something, it's different than taking in other media. And, you know, the elongated man's wife, Sue Dibney was such a, just a lovable character and you're like, and you realize as she realizes what's about to happen. And so that puts you completely in her mindset. And and then Dr. Strange, who up until that point had been a doofus of a villain, is now doing one of the most heinous things. And also something you didn't, again, you didn't see in comic books. You saw You saw bad guys in comic books you know, never even really killing anybody, just always, you know, kind of talking about their plan and getting thwarted. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. you actually see, you know, the villain do something that was so base and so um, gross toward someone who's a complete innocent, you know, the spouse of a superhero. And then, um, and then for her to get killed, and oh, the doorbell just rang and the dogs are going to be on here now. So, um, and to see just how that broke the elongated man's heart, you know, just, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm going forward in the story to see how that made the Justice League do what they did and with their, with Zantana's spell and all of that, again, made for a magnificent story, but boy, was it a hard read. But I will take that over Heroes in Crisis, which was just painful. Um, so they both are trying to do a thing and both trying to be really raw about it. But one to me was successful and the other wasn't. Um, but we got so
1: I think, way off I think from the, and, and um... Oh, no, 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 no. That, that, provide, that provides me a really good way to segue into this because I still want to talk about Donna Troy. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think that, and you kind of, you kind of, you kind of, well, I mean, you you definitely brought this up without even realizing it. That Donna Troy is the Wonder Woman that they can slap around. Yeah, uh, they, they 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 do shit to Donna Troy that they would never do to Wonder Woman. It's almost like it's almost like uh, Donna Troy is, um, oh, a character that they could fridge, and she and she can take it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that stuff that they would never do to their mother, who would be Wonder Woman in this analogy. Yeah. Um. You know, uh, Donna Troy is the one you could put on meth, and you know, make her some sort of um, you know, uh, whore with the you know heart of gold kind of story. You know, you can do that to her, and but you would never ever do that with uh, Diana. Um. And the bottom line is, um, the way the way you were talking, um. Because, you know, I've kind of I've kind of realized that they that they do that the Donna Troy too. you know, Wizard did a whole article about the problems with Donna Troy way back when. And, you know, and um, they never brought up anything that I just met up that I that I brought up, but they just talked about like all these inconsistencies. It, ba- it basically amounted to what Stanley would call a no prize, you know, um, where it was just like this is, you know just pointing out bad writing you know or or bad storytelling or you know poor editorial choices at least but you know when you read donna troy in you know new titans and teen titans um hell within the first 16 issues she they they found a way to make her to make a story about rape um uh, what was it? Hyperion was one of the, yeah. the actual old Titans, right. and
2: yeah.
1: he makes her he makes her fall in love with her, and mm-hmm. uh, Marv and George make her go through all of the emotions mm-hmm. of all of that. And I'm saying, and this going back to again the what you can do with the comics code and what you can't. You could not do a rape scene with the comics code on your book, but you can sure as hell do a Hyperion uh, uh, emotionally. Um, taking advantage of somebody and going uh, uh, of a of a, a younger woman and totally you know manipulating her. There's a scene where this narcissistic asshole, uh, like I said, Hyperion, um, uh, basically when she realizes when she gets out from underneath her spell and she says no to him, he's like, "But I love you," and it's like, "Oh my god." This is what an abusive relationship looks like. And this woman is like telling him, telling him no. And it's, it's, it was, it was beautiful. I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here, you know, uh, in my old age, looking at this going, here's your after, you know, after school special right here, you know, and just seeing it played out and like modeling perfectly good behavior, you know, Um, and that, you know, actually showing that, Emotion is important. The metabolizing all of these feelings and all of those things. And then the very next episode, episode, what am I talking <laughs> about? The very next issue after that, she finds a bunch of like bank robbers and shit to like just fuck beat up, beat up, right? Yes, yes. and then she does it. And I'm sitting there going, I relate to Donna Troy on a level that's completely butch right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. I'm like, I'm like, cause I could see myself, you know, like if I had like, you know, obviously I don't have the maturity that she does because she's just, she's even feeling bad about what she did to those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think, I don't think I would have the psychological wherewithal having that kind of superpower to stop at just putting them in the, in the emergency room. Yeah. You know what
0: I'm saying? And I'm, it's so funny that you mentioned it. Cause earlier when we were talking, I was also thinking about that Hi- Hyperion uh, issue um, and and the Donna that is in those issues so speaks to me to the um, the Donna that is in the Titans um, live action show. Um, the actress and the and her portrayal of Donna is so spot on. Yes. Um, and you know, I think about the emotions that she felt when Aqualad was killed um and how she dealt with that and and how she battled um you know uh, starfire how she battled shimmer how she battled deathstroke all of that is just really it captures to me who donna is so well and that donna that was established in those issues you know if you go back and read like teen titans from like the 60s and 70s well you know it was all badly written she was like you know love sick love <laughs> sick at times with you know any number of the oh, boys yeah it's um, horrible yeah it was just so so bad but um but that donna that was in those in in the titans book is again it has that dimension that is able to react in very real ways um when when all these just larger in life issues uh take place uh, for these characters so yeah, that's ooh, so exciting um, And then when it also comes to the TV show and, and like kind of like the the great casting and characterization, uh, I think starfire um, you know, that's someone who they they really deviate a lot in the origin uh, of the character, but she to me ca- captures the fierceness and the 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 joy of life that, the Wolfman Perez Starfire has. Um, So when she is loving life or when she's burning somebody up, that's the character that I see Starfire as from taken from the comic books to uh, live action. And I think when people don't like the live action version, it's because like you said earlier, their first um, idea of her is the animated. And that's such a, it's fun, but it's, it's pale. It's just it's not who it is,
1: right? No, no, that's exactly right. There was a, um, I remember, I remember after watching the uh, show, and I didn't have any comics or anything like that, and I was so mad about that season finale. Actually, I was mad about both seasons at that. All the finales suck, anyway, right? But like, you know, so I would like, I would try to get my Teen Titans fix, and I'm not a Teen Titans fan. I need, I need, I need everyone to understand that the uh, the thing, the thing that drives me, draws me to Teen Titans is that marv marv's and george's teen titans is what were is what is what i'm 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 fixated on because they did they did stuff with with those characters that is just so nutritious Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know i don't know any other way to describe it but like when um you i was i would i would like go and try and watch the cartoon uh because that's what i had available to me at the time you know and I, i you know i don't like sidekicks i hate sidekicks (laughs) um with like an ever-loving passion it's pathological how much i hate sidekicks okay but the thing is is um you know jennifer saw my reaction about uh, the titans thing and she obviously felt that i was passionate about it so she asked you for those things and she bought she bought all that stuff and she gave me these books and i'm going This came from somebody who is an aficionado. I've already read Judas, uh, the Judas contract. Um, I'm going to read, I I know I'm going to enjoy this because whenever you get a recommendation from somebody who is like a fan, like a indoctrinated fanatic, okay? um, It's going to be good for you, okay? Like if you go to somebody's house and you know that they make... Some, you know, when you go when you go to your like like when you were a kid and you went to your friend's house and you knew you were gonna be, you know, eating dinner at your mom at at their mom's, you know, table or whatever, whatever they made, you know, because you were there as the guest, the mom was gonna make an extra effort to make sure (laughs) that you know you were getting the good shit, right? So whatever that mom made and she put in front of your face. If you didn't like green beans, which I don't, you're going to eat the shit out of that. (laughs) And it's probably going to be good, okay? (laughs) So I'm sitting here, I'm reading these comics and I'm going, where the fuck have these things been? How did I miss this shit? (laughs) Like, I am how old and how have I missed all... I've, I've pretty much read bits and pieces of George Perez's career entirely with the exception of New Teen Titans and I'm like sitting there th- wondering why it's like oh yeah asshole you have a thing about sidekicks <laughs> so, it's like it's like it's like it's like that's really what was keeping me from doing this I'm going well then what the hell else am I missing you know <laughs> so so I'm like and I'm like I'm like reading all this stuff and I'm going they were dealing they were dealing with shit that nobody knows how to deal with mm-hmm. you know um, like Runaways. I, said, I the right away, right, and yeah. I was just like, I was just like, oh my god, they and they're putting all this stuff in there, um, from the beginning, and I'm like, the only reason why I knew it, that's how, like, for, like you know, uh, I know if we're gonna beat this like a dead horse, but Deathstroke coming in at issue two, um, and the way that his son got killed mm-hmm. in issue two, I'm like going, oh my god, this guy is sinister, uh, yeah. to say the least. And it was just like, he that 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 is that is a real delicious villain, man. Um, like, um, it's on par with uh, the idea of fairy tales teaching children how to deal with the real world and how they never end well the good ones, the grim ones, you know, the Grim Brothers ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Titans goes back to that too. And I think it's appropriate um, when uh, talking about Titans, how Titans in the hierarchy and the genealogy of, you know, gods and mythology, Titans came first, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love, I love that they make Titans children and this, yes. like, I don't, I don't know what cosmic <laughs> we got to get that, but it's perfect because Titans come first. So do kids, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it just, it just, it just makes sense to me that way. And then, you know, uh, the other thing too is I like, I love Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol's kind of like kind of kind of my bag. And the Beast Boy thing. And then finding out about hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna find that dude's name. Cause I want everybody to know about this. Um this guy. Uh hold on. I did not expect to talk about this. Otherwise, I would have been <laughs> super, super prepared. Um But anyway, Arnold Drake makes a comment. Um, because he got kicked out of I think he got kicked out of Italy first. Then it was South America. And then he moved to New York. And when he got to New York, um, he was at Arnold's house uh, and they were, they were doing dinner and they were talking about their next thing. And Bruno was like, this is uh, talking about politics. And I'm sure this was all, you know, um, McCarthy related in, in some way or some you know, just some bullshit. Sure. And um, Arnold goes, you know, kind of running out of countries to, to get kicked out of, dude. <laughs> At the time, DC thought that a low selling book was less than 200,000 copies. <laughs> and so <laughs> I know, I know. And so like, and so like when that happened in DC was like, well, we're going to cut the book. It's a, it's a low seller. And he's like, well, can I kill them off? Mm-hmm. And they're like, do whatever you want. We're getting rid of it. So um, <laughs> that's what he did. He, he killed them off. And, um, you know, uh, Bruno goes over to teen Titans and, you know, he's got the beast boy and all that. And, you know, there's a couple of probably, you know, social justice issues that he probably addressed there. But I mean, it, it was nothing like with doom patrol, Right. And this whole idea and I, I say all of this to kind of get at the point of the creative team being the thing behind the book. The book could have been Spaghetti Man and you know, I don't know the Hoodoo Witch or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as long as the two guys or or the artist writer, whoever it was w- believed in what they were doing and they were doing something consistent um. And it changed in its own particular way, uh, it would have been it would have been good. Um, there's no there's no rhyme or reason to why Doom Patrol was working the way it was. And I mean, they added, they created what three then when they started off, it was a cyborg, Raven, and um Starfire. Yes, those are the new characters that were created. So you had
0: the three original titans uh uh robin wonder girl kid flash and you had beast boy who was part of titans west and and then you had the three brand new characters which is also cool because you know alien black guy um you know that that just made it kind of a fun
1: um thing as well Um, and i kind of feel like i feel like i feel like raven like was goth mm -hmm. she was like goth before goth was like a thing Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like she was, like she was metal, you know? And so I feel it's really, it's really interesting that these guys figured out how to do that, you know? And they, they made, um, Marv made a comment in one of the introductions. To be honest with you, I don't even know which one it is, in where he talks about his, his, um, uh, his his triangles of characters, the Donna, Raven, Starfire, mm-hmm. and the uh, Beast Boy, Cyborg, Robin, mm-hmm. and then Flash is like the guy that bounces between both those triangles. Hmm. Kid Flash, mm-hmm. and I was like, I was like, okay, so he had those two. He had those. That was that was his paradigm. Okay, so when I asked earlier about. Um, how you felt about Donna Troy, how she fit in to that model. And you, you talked about how some people call like the Den Mother that, that when you said that, that immediately made me think of Wendy from uh, the Peter Pan stories. Mm. Um, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like going, that also kind of sort of feeds into, um, the idea of what you can do with Wendy as a character versus what you'll never let Tinkerbell get, that kind <laughs> right? Of thing, you know. <laughs> so, in, in you know kind of in in our analogy, as far as this conversation goes, uh, Tinkerbell would be Donna, and Wonder Woman would be Wendy because they would never do that shit to Wendy, right? Right, right. But they'll fucking make you clap for Tinkerbell. <laughs> so and when you think
0: about that too. I mean, you know Wonder Woman had that relationship with Steve Trevor all this time, but I never in reading Wonder Woman got the impression they were sleeping together. But I always knew that Donna and Terry were were sleeping together. Like it was like a different type of relationship that the Titans had with whomever they were with than than their mentors seemed to have. Yeah. Um and and then but they also got the short end of the stick at times too. Um and the and you know you mentioned that you don't like sidekicks, whereas I friggin love sidekicks so. And bad.
1: and that's why, that's why that's why that's why this conversation needed to be taped because, um, people need to hear two different <laughs> opinions. I love sidekicks
0: it. so much that one of my other favorite groups is Infinity Incorporated, which has got to be the dumbest name ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the worst name. Um, but those are the. That's the Earth Two version of the Titans. They're the they're the uh, proteges and children of the Justice Society of America, and the you know I'm I miss them desperately too because you know if Donna's been through the ringer, so have the Earth Two characters. They have been you know some of them have just bear no resemblance to who they were when they came out, and the um the Earth Two version of donna was actually wonder woman's daughter uh i I guess it's lita lida i don't sure because it's short for hippolyta is the the last and and, and then i kind of go when y'all write these names what are you what are you doing exactly you know (laughs) how, how are you picking this name um and it was neat because you know she essentially has the same powers but she's blonde and you know, where everyone else's costume looks like this. Oh, hers has a lot of gold and a cape. What's going on, you know, Earth 2? Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Dick Grayson is what? Gray sideburns. Why? Because he's old. Okay. Um, but boy, was <laughs> I in for it. I'm like, come on, you guys do it. Um, and that's still like my favorite iteration of The Huntress, you know, uh, as Batman and Catwoman's daughter. Um and that's why, you know, I still really want Batman and Catwoman on Earth, Main Earth, um, Earth One, whatever we call it now, uh, to actually have a relationship. I was,
1: I really thought they were going to get it this time, and then they just didn't,
0: and I'm still yeah. sad
1: about it. I'm actually mad about that. Dude, yeah. I actually, I actually saw that shit coming, because I was like, I was like, they're going to pull, they're going to pull some dumb shit. They're, they're going <laughs> and- to they, they do it. They're <laughs> going to, they're going to like hype this, hype this thing up, and then. Someone's gonna get murked. And I was like, I was like, it better not be catwoman I like her too much. And <laughs> I was like, we've got we've got plenty of people who could be Batman. Uh, in fact, my, I think my favorite Batman run by by Grant Morrison was the one where it was Dick and Damien. and um which pretty much just consisted of Damien, you can't throttle people like that. you know It was like every issue was just pretty much like, you know, uh, Damon st- Damien st- stopping the fight and um, announcing that he was into some new fad. Uh, my favorite was where Damien stopped the fight and he said, "This cow is now a bad cow, and I'm a, ve- I am a vegetarian." And I'm like, "Bruce's kid would do that." You know what I'm saying? Like, how could you not love that kid? So, and I know, I know there. I'm actually. In the minority on the whole Damien issue, okay? Yeah, because you like Damien, right? I love Damien. Okay, I I
0: don't. I just (laughs) (laughs) there are times I think he's well done, but over all
1: in all, I just kind of go, "What? Who is this kid? What is he doing?" You know. So, so I want I want everyone to know this, okay? And 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 you as well. If there is a Damien in a comic. And you see a dog, and he's petting a dog. I want you to take that book, put it down, and walk out the store, okay? If you see a Damien, and there is a cow with a bat signal on its its face, I want you to buy that book. (laughs) Because I want you to support the people that have put that book on that shelf for you to find that, okay, because I have discovered that, and you can test me on this because this is this is this is, I think this is one hundred percent true. I know it's at least eighty percent true, but any Damien story that has the cow in it has a cool Damien, okay. Any Damien story that has that dog in it. <laughs> Is crap. Okay. So I just, just in the future. Okay. And I definitely Any remember comic-
0: the dog. I definitely remember because the, there's a, I was like, what's this big dog
2: about?
1: Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. If you go back and you, and you think about, or you just happen to be, you know, years from now and you actually have a, a comic that has Damien in it in your hand, I guarantee you, if the dog is there, that's the reason why it sucks because the writer is like, no. This should be this should be the one with the dog. The dog's my favorite. It's almost like it's almost like the the writers at the uh, Batman offices, wherever they are, um, are like Merriweather and the other fairy in Sleeping Beauty, where they fight over it should be pink or blue, and the Merryweather is the one that I believe is correct, and it, that the dress should be blue, and this is this, this is a you have to see sleeping Beauty in or, in order to really get this joke. but I feel it's the same thing with Damien. the Damien would only like a cow that has a bad <laughs> signal on its eyes and it had it had a branded pentagram that was upside down on its ass. okay <laughs> That's the that, that's Bruce's kid, okay? And then, of course, there's other people out there who's like, no, we just need a black dog with a cape on it. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. But, I mean, that... I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like that's Bruce's kid to me. I think Bruce would egg that kid on, you know? And like I said before about, like, between Dick and uh, Damien, that being my favorite Batman um, series, it's because Dick is, like you know, constantly having patience with Damien. It's like, you know, you should probably, you know, ask first before lighting somebody on fire. You know, because Damien's that kid, you know? He has he's he's extra, you know. Um, and then some people just don't write him that way. And he's like the you know, Damien is, you know, there's like that 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 two-man comedian troupe where Dick is the clown to Bruce's straight man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Damien is so straight that he makes Bruce look like the clown.
0: <laughs> I will say that I like... Um, um, Shit, I lost my train of thought just that fast. Oh, well. Was-
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. <laughs> it was something but about like Damien, but I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. But... um. So, uh, so I think I think we've talked about everything with the exception of a little bit of Raven because we have to talk about Trigon. I feel Trigon is like the only thing we have not talked about. Um, Trigon,
0: so Trigon was such a, you know, scary. I think kind of scary villain in a way and you know again we I di- I didn't realize just how much um kind of rape manipulation kind of things were present in Titan stories but you know that again and and you know consent lack of agency that type of thing uh, because Raven's mom um, thought she was in love with a man and it turns out that man was a demon and you which know which is that- more literal yeah you you know yeah um that's a big deal and and made for just and then for her to then um go to azrath and um and do all that she did to protect the universe from trigon thereafter uh just again goes to that kind of the power of womanhood um You know, that's just that's just some really good storytelling as well. Um, And Trigon was just such a kind of larger than life, arrogant, evil thing. Um, His demise was this arrogance because, you know, he had the power in the when he came back around the second time to freeze the entire world. You know, the there everyone was encased in stone. All the Justice League was useless, and it was just up to the Titans to save the day. But he was toying with them. And what happened? Titans <laughs> and Ravens saved the day. You know, <laughs> um, it's just it's nice to read that stuff that makes you scared. And that happened uh, with those issues.
1: Um, you know, that when I was reading Trigon, I was like, I was like, this really feels. They did, they did like every genre. In uh, uh, George and Marv, they did every genre. And if somebody decided to make a horror movie out using Dark Side, mm. and that's what that's the that's the way it felt to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there was like um, that when, once I realized that that's kind of what I was seeing when I was when I was reading it you know, when you're watching the show, you don't have, when you watch the Trigon cycle in the show, you do get this, you almost get like this zombie apocalypse, you know, uh, feeling this uh, uh, post-apocalyptic type feel. When you're reading it in the comics, it's a different, it's, it's almost like it's, it's, it's literally how, how I felt. I felt like if uh Darkseid was a boogeyman, that could get in your ear, um, in everyone's ear, and mm-hmm. take out all the hope. Um, like he doesn't need an anti-life equation, you know. And it was like it was like you know the you know when they. I don't know if you had this experience. You may have. Um, I don't want to make any assumptions, but I know that uh, when I was a kid and you were terrorized with the idea of hell, it was always with figures that were somebody that could do something with your secrets you know mm-hmm. um, and Trigon was Trigon is that character that that one that can like manipulate and um, horrify and make you feel something other than human and that was that's a big deal I think to kids um, reading kind of going back to the idea of Titans coming first kids coming first you know everyone's a Everyone's someone's kid, right? Wicked. I'm sorry, not wicked, but the uh, werewolf. Not the werewolf. The uh, <laughs> the the wolf in the uh, Red Riding Hood story. Like that's the micro. That's the macro cosmic archetype of villain is the is the wolf in that story. Mm-hmm. And Trigon takes that and you know you add. The atomic age to that and that's what comes out and you know Trigon is, is, that, is that character um, and it makes sense that someone like Raven who has like a healing aspect would be the only one to really kind of like be the MVP in, in a story like that
0: yeah so someone who is who's about decay and destruction and conquering is you know has a child who's an empath who you know is a healer um, and I also liked it too when that was her power set. She could heal stuff, she could do the soul self stuff and teleport, and that was it. This whole telekinesis and casting spells is on my nerves. I'm like, stop it. Yeah, yeah. Stop it. I feel
1: like I'm 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 kind of there with you with on that too, because I feel like people I mean, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier where you know, when you read the way she originally came out, um, the, the way she was originally formulated, um, it makes sense. Um, when you add those extra things to it, it's like the telekinesis and the healing, which one's which? Like, how, where, where does this really come from? Are we, are we focusing on the witch thing? It's like, oh, okay, I see you're typecasting this girl because she's witchy.
2: Right. Yeah, which goes and, into and the
1: whole goth before her being
0: called a witch was really just cyborg, you know, doing it as a as a as a not a slur, but, you know, it was a nickname, not yeah. evidence of her of her actual powers. And the other thing that was also neat about her, which again goes back to kind of my issue with with some of the characters being overpowered, is that when she would take on someone's um pain or injury, it was taxing to her. And I don't think we see enough of that where, you know, someone's power has a cost. And that was always neat to see and to see that, you know, there wasn't an infinite amount of power she could do, just heal and do this kind of stuff. The fact that it would wear her out, that she would be disfigured momentarily, that she could be exhausted after healing someone, that she might, that she had limits. Um, That's what I really, really, really liked about uh what they did with her then same thing with cyborg you know um the fact that someone could be badass enough to just rip his arm off as powerful and as badass the metal that was there was still someone who could beat him and i like that um i like the fact that these characters weren't super 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 powerful um although they were really 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 powerful you know uh, it just made him so much more a pleasure to read. And it, it, again, added that danger to it. When you take the, which is also another reason to me why it was good that Supergirl was never a member of the Teen Titans. Well, she was never a member of the Titans under Perez Wolfman. Um, because, you know, you get those super, super Superman characters in there and they become too powerful. And luckily when Superwolf was there, at least it was Superboy with just a tactile telekinesis. So his powers were mimicking Superman's powers, but they weren't um, full-fledged. I'm completely invulnerable, badass. Um, I I really like that aspect of of what happened with the Titans. And then when you you know, at, and when you're talking about Trigon being such a cool villain, we have to talk about the other major Titan villain, and that would be uh, Brother Blood. And rumor is is that Brother Blood is going to be the villain for season four of the live action. And there I'm again. I'm going, okay, y'all, you can really hit a home run with this um, because a religious cult figure that it could be so easy to do well, and this whole past season, focusing on the real Scarecrow, or whoever it was, whatever Batman villain it was, it was so irritating um, that I don't even know who it was. Um, <laughs> it's just, I, they, they have such potential to do well with this, and the again that brother blood was some scary stuff cuz you had nightwing going undercover and uh i think raven went undercover you know and they they get kidnapped and it's just oh so good um so,
1: brother blood had to have been um i have not read any stories about brother about about brother blood yet but um the only thing the only reason why i know anything about brother blood is because i follow wolfman and our boy Rob Liefeld talked about how, because um, Marv made a, because we're on a first name basis of them, right? Mm-hmm. Marv um, made a comment on Facebook about how, how, how excited he was that Brother Blood was going to be in the next season. And um, Rob goes, oh my God, he scared the crap out of me so much. And I was like, I wish I never saw your comment because now I'm going to be I have this idea about brother blood now because you said it and you know, because it's Rob Liefeld and I'm like, Oh my God, but you talking about brother blood, I'm going, okay, okay. Maybe this is going to be, you know, but if you remember the eighties, <laughs> <laughs> I brother blood is like almost like out of the news. There was all those guys mm-hmm. that were doing, that, doing that shit. And it's, it's almost like, they have to, th- these these people doing teen titans um they need to be doing a good job with that because we got a little bit of that shit going on right now and they need to be mindful <laughs> yeah there's there's,
0: there's <laughs> so much potential because of the politics that we're in now the 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 influence of religion um in politics throw in a healthy dose of xenophobia and you've got the potential for a really great story um yeah. And, and they could really do something great with it. And I'm just, you know, fingers crossed. But I'm I'm also over here going, because, you know, I think you saw in the Facebook group where I was very excited to announce that Titans Academy had been canceled because that just means, well, then maybe they'll <laughs> come up with something good because that thing was such... Even when they first announced it and they said who the, the, char- the, the young characters were going to be, I was like, what? So first off, it's no one that we know. <laughs> and then it's like, we've got a gorilla guy that likes Batman? What? You know, just none of it made any sense. It was like weird for weird sake. And, um, I just never got into that. It was so painful. And then, um, and then I picked up the Shazam issue and I read one issue and I thought, Oh my God, why is this so horrible? And then I was like, Oh, it's the same writer. And I you mean, know, maybe I'm rude <laughs> for saying, you know, I mean, I'm glad he's making his money. It's just not my cup of tea. Definitely some people like it because I'm on the Facebook groups and you know, peop- there are definitely some people who like it. It's just not for me. Um, but, but over on that other Titans book, Titans United, which is DC has this thing now where if they have a TV show, they'll do a comic ver- version that uses the same properties, but of course it's not the same continuity. So that's what they've done there. They've taken the actual Titan characters that are in the TV show but put them in the comic book continuity, but it it didn't quite work, but at least it's a, it's a fairly entertaining story. So they've got, you know, um, Nightwing, Donna Troy, Starfire, uh, Changeling, or Beast Boy, um, Superboy, uh, Red Hood, ugh, weird, and, <laughs> and Blackfire, which was this last season. Oh, and, and Hawk and Duff, which was this last season of Titans. But right. it's the, but it's the comic book versions of them, not the live action versions. So there's just kind of that weirdness right there that you got going on. But f- for whatever, whatever it's worth, the, the the art's really good, and the stories you know fairly entertaining. It's still not doing what I needed to do because I know it's short lived. It's a seven issue series. Um, there's no long plan for it. I I, I don't have that. Hey, I might be on the beginning of a five-year run of something great. That's not what I'm getting from most of my books now, and that's what I'm I'm desperate for is is that book that's going to say which we which we did get recently with um, Hickman's redo of the X Men. You know, we had the first uh, Powers of X uh, House of House, House of Ten Powers of X no, Powers of Ten House of X. That's what it was that led into some really good books marauders was really good there were a couple really great titles out of that and so we got several years out of that and that was really pleasurable uh detective comics you know uh they did a really great run that had um batman and robin and i think spoiler and clayface and batwoman and that shit was brilliant and, it's, and it ran for quite a while. And I was like, okay, that's a nice arc. You know, so that's what I'm really, really, really craving is a, just a really good arc of Titans that I can look forward to uh, with someone that is that understands the that the characters um, have the right voice for each one of them and that um, the art is strong and also that they realize that Starfire is really tall I'm really irritated with artists (laughs) that draw (laughs) Starfire shorter than Nightwing. That that bothers me. So
1: that's funny. That's funny. I was reading one of their earlier uh, issues uh, with Perez, and I noticed that Perez drew uh, Robin, um, because this is back. This is back when Robin was Robin. Mm -hmm. When I'm sorry. When when Dick was Robin. That Starfire was the same height as him. Yes. And I was like, I was like, I was like, what, what? That's not, that's not. What's right. going so on? It was like the whole thing with like even, um, Ravens, Ravens' face. Uh, he drew her more mystically uh, and draw and 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 you know drawn in her face. Uh, they had her. She also had bigger boobs, You know. Um, yes. Yeah. I, so
0: you know, for for as much love. And of course, I have all of the love because, you know, George Perez is my absolute all-time favorite creator, period, and discussion. But, um, and he was great on those first few issues, but he was, that's, and part of what I love about him is that he has grown and evolved, uh, improve his craft, whereas most artists, you know, kind of like, once they make it, that style of art is what they, that's all they ever yeah, have. that's true. Um, but his, you know, those first few issues, all those boys were the same boy and all those girls were essentially the same girl <laughs> and so exactly um, but
1: you know that that kind of was... all to
0: get their different body styles you know
1: yeah yeah there's a oh my god yes i'm i'm actually i'm actually looking at some examples right now as while while you're saying this and i'm going wow uh, cyborg and robin have the same body build yeah um yeah, that's not that's not a fault or anything like that. Because to be honest with you, the thing that really differentiated differentiated them was the uh, uniforms. And I kind of this this is actually a beautiful segue to to this to this thing to, that that I actually kind of like feel is a contributing factor to what you're just talking about. He, um, okay, so Grant Morrison would has described Jim Lee as being the perfect hybrid of John Byrne and Neil Adams. Okay. And he's right. I I believe, I believe that, that, that that's correct. Now, Jim Lee stopped being a perfect hybrid of John Byrne and Neil Adams. When he started, when he did issues six and seven of gen 13, that's for everyone's benefit out there. Uh, six and seven of Gen 13, okay? Because those issues, he had taken a break from drawing anything, and he just went off and did some uh, work on his own. That's when that's when he started doing the, um, I think he did Death Blow um, in between Wildcats and the, those two issues on Gen 13, where on Death Blow, he aped Frank Miller's inking style on um, uh, uh, Sin City and he got so much flack for that that people were like well he's a he's a hack he's just doing an inking thing on top of his regular uh, pencils and it doesn't really whatever so he kind of took you know that to heart and went off um, and Uh, Did some figure studies. Uh, I think around this time, he actually had a place. I think this is when he had a place in uh, Rome, at least in Italy. I know he did. Mm -hmm. And he would just draw the churches and he would draw from life and he would do all this and the other and he would study uh, uh, comic book artists like uh, Alex Toth. He would come up with his own storytelling technique. Okay, so that and so that came out. of that all came out when he worked on Gen Thirteen, number six and seven, and um, it was a she story, and it was the best work he had ever done. That's when he. That's when he became Jim Lee. Okay, so I say all of that to say George Perez did something similar, but because like, and the, the main reason why I see it is because when he first started out, he started out on Avengers and, and did the Marvel style.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, he
1: had the John Buscema uh, style of drawing uh, the Marvel characters and the John Ramita style. And then when he went over to DC, he was kind of doing his own thing, but he, when he, he did exactly what you just said, where he was, all the figures were the same. It was just, you know, just a different he, costume. Just just a different costume and <clears throat> so one day while I'm getting ready for this, um, I'm pulling up some stuff that that yeah he had done I'm looking at his bibliography and I realized that he's quoted as being uh, as having done something on um, the Superman story that Kurt Swan did that right before John Byrne got on. It was the what uh, whatever happened to the uh, man of tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And it was the, it was written by Alan Moore, and the the artist that was on it was Kurt Swan. Well, I never really looked at the inker for that. The inker who did the first part of that story was George Perez, mm-hmm. and I remember going, "How did how did I fucking miss that? Like, how did I miss that?" and I, I go back and I find it and um I'm digging through it and I'm going, of course this is George Perez. This looks exactly like George Perez because this because the way Kurt Swan drew it, it looks like Kurt like uh, George Perez drew this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, oh my God, Kurt Swan is the first part to George Perez's style. It's
0: interesting you bring that up, you know, as far as George is an inker versus uh, George is a penciler. because um, I I love to see George ink other artists. Um, you know, there's there was an issues of of a later Teen Titans book that Dan Jurgens wrote. Um right. and uh George inked some of I think some of the covers, maybe some of the interiors, but definitely some of the covers. And it's like, oh, this looks so good. And then of course there were some uh collaborations between George and Phil Jimenez um that are magnificent. Um, because you know, first Phil has a great similar style and then you throw George on top of it, so it tightens up those lines. And that's one mm-hmm. of the things I loved about George's inks is that they were just so tight. And the the issues where George penciled, it's, 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 it's interesting to go back and look at the different inkers on George. So like, you know, Romeo uh, Romeo Tanghal uh, was, a if I'm mastering his last name, probably, but um, he, he was one of the longtime inkers of Rez, and I really enjoyed that. But then I think at some point, maybe... I think it was Bob McLeod maybe inked on Perez, and it was a no, much, Yes, yes. It was, it was a much looser, lighter style, and I did not like it as well. And so it's—I don't think people realize just how important the inker is to to what's going on with the artist. Again, going back to like you know, you were saying you didn't even know that was George on top of Kurt Swan. I laugh when I see old pictures of the Justice League that George was the artist on, that I actually bought and read as a kid, but at that point hadn't started paying attention to who creators were. I was purely driven by characters and the books and the stories, but hadn't put together in my head yet, oh, this artist and this writer do this book and I will probably like them on another book. That, That hadn't happened for me yet. I was reading the Justice League because it was the Justice League. And I love these issues because they were so well done. And then later on go, oh, well, no wonder they were so well done. That was George Perez at a in an early point in his career, but a really good point in his career. Um, but it was, but it was again, it was just that as I probably after I think by the time the Titans got around issues, you know, after their third year is when he really, really got into probably the second between the second and third year was when the Titans body started becoming very distinct. You know, Wally as the runner became more lean and uh, his his uh six pack way more defined and um, his jaw and more angular and then cyborg became you know broader and taller. Dick and uh was taller than Garfield. Um Aqualad also had a different body style because he's swimming and he had that afro, whatever that was about. Um, because <laughs> you know, love me, George. That was one thing about him. He could he would throw an afro on somebody in a heartbeat and it just made me laugh. Um, <laughs> but then you know, but then you had, you know, if you looked at Donna and Starfire and and Raven to start, they their bodies were very, very similar, but as they grew, their bodies became all three so very distinctive, and then by the time you add um, Tara into the mix, well, you've got an actual someone with the body that looks like a sixteen-year-old body, as opposed to some artists draw every woman that's you know she's got a narrow waist and big bosoms and a round butt, and that's every woman you get. Um, whereas you know her body was different than Raven's body, than Starfire's body, than Donna's body. And their faces—you could recognize who it was, even if they had no costume, on because he had developed these really distinct looks for all these people. Uh, and that's again just one of the many, many things that I freaking love about him, and and what may, you know, what contributed to my love of, of the Titans.
1: So, so you talking about you talking about? Uh, we'll say this, and then I think I think we've kind of exhausted um, everything about the Marv and. George uh, kind of thing but I'm looking at I'm looking at the cover of games okay? okay and I'm looking at these these uniforms okay Okay, games
0: is on my bookcase so I can actually grab it and look at it okay so we're looking okay. at it together now
1: yes good 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 good. okay good so I'm looking, I'm looking at these uniforms and first of all we just, just to start because it's, it's the one that gets the most heat is uh, you know D- Disco Nightwing Okay, right. which is now which is now glam rock, right? Nightwing, I want that to start now.
2: Okay, <laughs>
1: so we got glam rock, Nightwing. Okay, um, have you ever heard somebody do a cover of a song, and they the original artist did the song the way that they did it, and there's like a technical thing about the song, whether it's the guitar or the note and in the, in the the lyrics or whatever that has to be hit in such a right right way that if you don't do that, the song is ruined. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that especially happens because, you know, I do community theater. And so anytime if someone, you know, does a show and you're expecting a certain beat um, from the show that you've seen on Broadway or whatever, and if they don't do it, just the same you're gonna like well i didn't enjoy that at all you know
1: <laughs> so, no so matter that, how
0: good it was you know you're like well, that's
1: yes happening? exactly exactly so that's the kind of thing i'm talking about when you and i'm just i'm just using glam rock uh nightwing see what i did there the <laughs> glam rock nightwing as as my first example okay george perez is the only one that can draw that uniform double check yes. me on that he's yes. the only one okay because Makes that 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 collar go crazy, yeah. It overpowers, makes him look like Dracula. Mm -hmm. Or they overemphasize the feather, yellow, golden feather part, okay. Or they want to make those um, the you know the in in the uh, seat area where he doesn't have you know where he has like underwear there or something Mm -hmm. uh they do they do weird they would they do weird stuff there um or the mask is off or the hair doesn't you know they always they always do something something off with the hair and so they you know george is the only one that that can do that costume and that goes the same for Jericho. Oh my God, with the yeah. mutton chops, okay? yeah, <laughs> with the scarf and the vest.
0: And... There's so much going on Listen, with that costume.
1: And then and... I think I think I think the easiest one to draw, really, to be honest with you, is probably Cyborg, and that's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he with uh, Starfire. Uh, oh my God, it's like it's it. Starfire is like. A vampire that the code approved.
2: <laughs>
1: well, it's funny because you're right that, you
0: know, her costume is so skimpy, but it's metal, and so the whole time I'm going, what is the, what's going on with her?
1: Um, and you you know it's metal, yeah, you know,
0: yeah. And now you know they she's got this new costume that's to me so over the top, and I'm like, what else is going on with these thigh high boots and these weird shoulder pads? Stop it. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say that this era, I have a, a love hate with, you know, kind of like because only George can draw these characters. That's um, right. You know, everyone that tried, like, like Donna in this. You know, this is when she was Troya, uh, again, weird name. But um, you know, the costume had meaning. So you know, it was after she discovered her lineage to the uh, mythical Titans, um, and she borrowed things from from that the gifts that they had given her to create this new costume. And you know, there's a lot going on. You've got these all this gold, you've got this this light blue stuff, you've got the star pattern, you've got the red and blue on the boots. But you know, he pulled it off. It looked so good. And it it made her completely distinct from Wonder Woman, but it also brought in that those Greek um warrior touches that were cool. And yes. it was also such a departure from her red jumpsuit, which was nothing but simple. Well done because he was amazing, but it was so, so simple. So they said, well, let's give her a really complex costume. Same thing with Jericho. You know, those billowy sleeves, what? International mail. You know, <laughs> we all got it in the you know, we know he's wearing some crazy underwear too. Um, but you also yeah, have to kind of go, you know, why is this um, this mute Guy whose power is inhabiting other bodies, such a beefcake. Like why does he
1: need those thighs? You know what's
0: going on here?
1: At that point at that point, it's like, why well, why not? Yeah, you know exactly. you know it's, it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like George designs these designs the whole team going, all right, I have different I have different variety of breasts. I have different variety of hands. Mm-hmm. I have different variety of bodies uh, sizes. I have different variety of ages uh changeling oh my god i'm sorry yeah beast boy yeah does that and i'm like i'm like of course he would yeah these Boy should have always had that you know
2: <laughs> because
1: that's that he's he's you know if uh if raven's if raven's goth uh beast boys punk 100 yeah. and you then, know, the the
0: yeah you know, i actually i'm one of the few that i actually liked this Nightwing costume um you know, I love the fact that he had all these miniature weapons and stuff in his bracelets, and as opposed to a utility belt. Um, you know, I thought that the collar was kind of cool—a ch- nice change from a cape. Um, but it wasn't too big to obscure vision, which is also, you know, some people have big collars, and you're like, "What can you see around that?" I don't think you can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had all, all this chest showing, which you know. George, from, from the whole time, was always about showing the guys in swimsuits as much as the girls. He was always an equal opportunity beefcake, and I really love that about <laughs> it. Um But now, you know, Nightwing's costume is so simple, and I'm just like, ugh, it's kind of boring. So I, I yeah. like this, but you're right. Very few people get... I think the only people that come close to getting it is, like, Nicholas Scott does a really good job. Fili Menez. Tom Tom Grummet. Um eh, that's oh and and I, I think the new guy probably could um oh what's his name? It's the guy that's doing the Titans Unlimited now. Um oh. he's also Latino, um, but I can't remember his name right now, but um I think he could probably do it because right now he's doing the current Nightwing, but I think he could do the disco Nightwing. Um <laughs> so I also love this was you know when when Raven had the white because she had healed. She had defeated Cyborg. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, defeated Trigon, and she was her own woman, and that was a great time period for her. But it was just far too short lived, and that was a sad aspect of it. But yeah, poor, 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 poor um, uh, Beast Boy with that that hair.
1: (laughs) But I'm serious. It's like it's like it's like he had he had he had all these options, and it was just like you know what. Beast Boy Beast Boy gets it, you know. We're going we're not we're not going to really see him as Beast Boy, you know, as Gar, you know. Mm-hmm. We're going to see him as like, you know, other creatures because that's his power, right? But the I mean, the way the way he does Donna um that that whole uniform, that Troya outfit. Mm-hmm. He that is like his um Stairway to Heaven so, so solo um because to, to go about drawing that on every page uh on every cover that there's a lot of steps involved with drawing that that has be, has to be the most complex part of everything but you know everything um, you did was
0: complex and detailed and that was also what was so pleasurable about it you know because just just anytime you did a city and all those buildings you know yeah why because he could, and I don't know if you've been following the news lately, but you know, there's all this criticism of, of current artists because we're in the digital age now, who are stealing bodies from photos of models or uh, reusing images that they've drawn in previous things. And I'm glad kind of people are calling them out. You know, um, I want artists that are drawing me something unique every time. You know,
1: yeah. um, and I want that them- came, a lot of that. A lot of that came from uh, the way Bendis. Uh, required people I've actually seen people talk about Bendis's style as deconstruction which mm-hmm. I fucking hate because de- uh, Bendis's style of writing um, because it dominated how the artist drew um, it required uh, oming especially when they were doing powers together because it only worked in powers but apparently uh, Bendis had been doing it um, well, I know for a fact, Venice had been doing it ever since he was doing uh, his other comics for uh, like Jinx and, you know, things like that. But um, when he when he when he was doing Powers and he had Oming do it, Oming would just literally leave those panels blank that he would have to repeat and um, have the the uh, uh, mark uh, mockup people, the designer, the book designer, repeat those panels for him and um because you know he had to get you know shit done out on a particular time frame um but that whole deconstruction aspect of uh bendis when he started working for marvel marvel said you can't repeat any um you can, please don't do what you do in those other books um, <laughs> just, just just don't do that but he still got around it. He still micromanaged because of how he wrote. The artist was still being micromanaged. Um, I really can't see a situation like that between Marvin George, where Marvin George both talked about what a character's uniform needed uh, right. or what the scene required. Um, I can tell you right now, like, for example, uh, Eddie Campbell, he talks about getting 15 pages of a description for one panel when he was doing from hell with Alan Moore. That is not hyperbole. I'm not making that up.
0: I can't fathom that
1: 15 pages describing one panel. Okay. And um, Eddie Campbell put all that in. I'm sitting there thinking, what if George got that assignment? Mm -hmm. What would that look like? Right. (laughs) You know, stuff like that. Right. Well, you know, Sometimes doing that much detail can actually wreck your health. Uh, I wish I had a I wish I wish I thought to take a picture of this when I saw this, but I was watching something on Facebook or something. It had a video of Scott Williams, the guy who inks uh Jim Lee mm-hmm. and had been inking Jim Lee since you know way back when Dude's back is shot. Oh. He, has this, he has to uh, sit in this special chair it looks like looks like something a dentist office was like. You know, getting rid of and it looked like a chiropractor and Mr. Williams got together and said, this is the chair for me. And so he can only ink while laying down on his back. Oof! And, 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 but and, you know, when I, am when I'm, I need, I need to find that to make sure that that's like, what i'm saying because i know i'm saying this is the free world by putting this in there yeah but <laughs> you know even the idea of that you know neil adams what i was talking about earlier about um you know john byrne and all that uh neil adams was asked one time the best advice for artists and he started talking about back exercises and yoga I think you know I know, I'm because
0: you're hunched over and you're, you're tight and
1: <laughs> <laughs> well well, let's just, let's just go ahead and, you know, because at, at this point at this point, we're kind of done, okay? The next episode is going to yeah. be about crisis and we're going to talk about... Yay, crisis! ...demanding aspects, because I think that's what we were about ready to get into, the more demanding aspects of being a creator and being George. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of the health aspects of it, uh, which is half the reason why we're doing this to begin with is because... Because uh, i so appreciate- sad.
0: I'm so... I'm sad for it, but... And I'm sad for us, but I'm also really relieved that he has been touring and seeing old friends and getting getting all this love. And you know, and everybody doesn't get to enjoy that. Some people just die without any fanfare. And he's he's getting the most out of his last months alive. And I can only be happy for him for that. And I'm gonna read, read games again now because now. I've looked at. It, I'm like, oh, I gotta get back into this. I just gotta at this <laughs> art again. Oh, I'm so
2: excited!
1: Yes, so. yes, 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 yes. So we will, uh, we will, uh, will, will do the next part um, about crisis and about crossover books. His JLA Avengers, um, which I have some information about that. Um, as well, so uh, we will we will cover all of that next time. This this episode was the romantic new Teen Titans. This mm-hmm. was this was this was everything. I want everyone to fall in love with the whole process of collecting and all that. So thank you for listening. I appreciate you all doing. And Mark, thank you for doing this. Oh, you are MVP I, I MVP of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my God, that Christmas gift you and Jennifer like knocked it out of the park. Um, For the win! (laughs) It really like those those. I mean, I loved I love George Perez, but um, I'm a huge Titans fan. I get the whole sidekick thing now. I'm a believer. Okay, (laughs) success, Um, victory. (laughs) Yes, yes. So you win, and good night, everybody.